Welcome back to the Growing Lean Podcast. This is your host, Ethan Halfide, sponsored by Lean Discovery Group, an award-winning app development firm. I am here with David Marlin, CEO of Vegas Stronger, soon to be Dr. David Marlin and recovering drug addict, right? Tell us more about your story. Oh, thanks so much, Ethan. I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and spend half an hour with you. Um, I, uh, I'm uh, a person in long-term recovery. Uh, it's been 18 years since I've had a drug or, or a drink of alcohol. And um, I've really had two lives. I had this one life where uh, I was striving to be a successful, I was CEO of a large insurance company. And then I've had this second life, which is where I've become a clean and sober person, um, more focused on what service and what help I could be to others in the world and less focused on getting more drugs, alcohol, money, sex for me, which was kind of the the, the prior chapter. Uh, I am uh, serving as the CEO of Vegas Stronger, which is a nonprofit uh, delivering substance use disorder and serious mental illness treatment to uh, people who are unhoused in Las Vegas. Nice. Wow. So, you know, I guess I, I do want to ask, how did you first get started in your industry? And it sounds like it was a bit of a roller coaster ride, right? So feel free to let loose there. Tell us a little bit more. Well, I, I grew up, uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s. And in the 70s and 80s, we were supposed to try to get rich. Uh, everybody knew that was the American dream. So I, I got an economics degree and then I got an MBA. Uh, I had, uh, applied to some brokerage firms in Wall Street and in downtown Manhattan. And then I got offered a job to come work for a health maintenance organization in Nevada. And uh, although I took a little pay cut to go there, um, I you know began a journey working for a publicly traded insurance company. I worked there for 20 years. And about every two or three years, I was very focused on getting the next, getting to the next rung of the ladder. And I became you know, a, a supervisor, then a manager, then a director, then a vice president, then the chief operating officer. And then I remember when the chairman of the board sat me down and said, Dave, we let the CEO go today. You're the CEO. And I was like, I was surprised. That always seemed like an impossible goal to me. And although I was the, C the chief operating officer at the time and, and absolutely equipped to do it, um, it was it's a position I've been in now for over 20 years. I, I've been the CEO of, of multiple publicly traded companies. Um, the the defining moment really became on uh, on May 15th of 2005, where uh, I made the decision to take my last drink. And uh, it had a major ripple effect on my life. Uh, very quickly, although I was making my... My uh, W-2 said over a million a year for the prior th three years while I was drinking, um, I felt empty and I, I ended up resigning from that job and, and opening up a little 10 bed drug and alcohol rehab. And uh, one of my favorite stories is that for the next five years, I lost money every year. And uh, as you remember, 2007, the bottom fell out of the market. Things were really hard. But. Those five years, it was the richest I'd ever been in my life. Every time I went supermarket shopping or to church or any place, people were running up to me and saying, 
thank you for saving my son or my daughter or my husband or my wife or my loved one. And, and I, and I had a, a higher order purpose. So I, I love the recovery um, industry. <clears throat> now I, I started with a 10 bed rehab and just like my job, when I worked for Sierra health, I, every year I would buy a new house and I converted to a 10 bed detox or, or residential treatment center. And every year I grew 10 beds until I started buying hotels and skilled nursing centers and it became a 400 bed treatment center. And I was able to help thousands of people get clean and sober. Uh, I sold the company in, in 2016 uh, for 20 million, a little over 20 million. And, and I thought I'd grab the brass ring that I'd, I would joke, I'd say I won America. Uh, I went and I bought a house uh, in Del Mar on the beach overlooking the ocean. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm retired. You know, that's it. But just like happened when I first got sober, where I actually engaged in prayer and decided to leave the job and then take this losing money opportunity in rehab, uh, in the, in the late, uh, 2017, 2018s, I prayed in my Del Mar house and, um, it came very clear to me. I need to sell my, my beach house and I need to go help the underserved. So I, I, I sold it. And I took the money and I opened up a clinic in what they call the Corridor of Hope in Las Vegas. I hired some people and we began doing drug and alcohol treatment like we used to do to people in the, in the wealthier suburbs. But now we use that same model for the unhoused. And, you know, similar feelings would happen. I, I, I love coming to work every day. Uh, the team here has grown to 75 team members. We have a a good crew of, of people who are trying to help professionals. And, and we offer a wide array of services, most significantly psychiatric care with, with multiple psychiatric providers, primary care, uh, substance use disorder counseling, case management, and peer support. So it's, it's all under one roof where we, we provide counseling services for the people in our community who need it the most. Uh, you had mentioned before we came on that we just released our latest outcomes reports and, and our numbers are astounding. Um, who would guess that the people who've been chronically housed, when they had somebody they could talk to for an extended period of time, that their recovery rates are amazing with 87% of our clients staying clean and sober at the six-month mark. Um, at the six-month mark, more than 70% of our clients are housed and employed. So we're really bringing clients back to self-sufficiency and helping them get off the streets, which is helping not only the, the clients, but it's helping our community because our parks had become unsafe, our streets unsafe, and really our, our city in, in total because the brand of Las Vegas has begun to get tarnished because we're looked at as a dirty city with panhandling and homelessness and, and drug use, which has become rampant. So Vegas Stronger is a, uh, a social change project trying to help the people in our community that need it the most. I love it. I love it. I mean, throughout that, you know, that explanation, I heard that you accomplished multiple versions of the American dream because 
you take the hierarchy of needs, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, getting a good job in the American economy is considered an mm -hmm. American dream for some, a good stable job. Then it's like, okay, let me work my way up through the ladder. And many people don't get to that C-suite level. And you got to that C-suite level and you, you got to CEO multiple times, it sounds like, became a multimillionaire, it sounds like as well. That's one version of the American dream. And you said, okay, I got there. And you achieved a certain level of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is important even for like recovery and, and behavior change with what you do with your patients. So you, you lived it on multiple angles. And then, you know, when you felt empty, it sounds like you said, okay, now I need to go to that self-actualization above ego and, and, you know, the achievement of like self-worth. Now it's self-actualization and a sense of purpose and a sense of, of, of selflessness for others. So congratulations on doing that. It sounds like, you know, Thank <laughs> you're you. doing things a, well. A lot, a lot of people say that, but when it's time to sell the beach house and give it to the homeless, you know, it, uh, that, that was, that was something that certainly tested me. Uh, but I, uh, I have no regrets and, uh, I I'm sure that we are going to make our city a better place. And my dream is I'm hoping with the data that we're showing that our model ends up getting duplicated because I hope that, uh, uh, you know, every city in America ends up having it, you know, whether it's, it's Charlotte stronger or it's Los Angeles stronger. Um, every city should have immediate access to evidence-based treatment with longer durations of care in integrated models with, and I'm going to get to this, a transformational leader. Because very frequently people want to run particularly nonprofits in a transactional fashion. You see this many amount of patients, you do this amount of bills, you answer this amount of calls, and no one blossoms or flourishes or delivers excellent care in the transactional model. Being a transformational leader is I get buy-in to the mission, I empower people to do the best to help accomplish our mission. And um, really, I end up being a, a personal supporter of each person. As, as my staff go through divorces or other problems in life, my job is more to kind of be supportive and help them through that while they're doing their job. And, and I'm just removing roadblocks for them. I, I'm not keeping my thumb on them, making sure that they're doing X amount of units uh a, a day because that that doesn't that doesn't help organizations operate in excellence so i'd say all right so you just kind of mentioned a little bit of of your your business strategy but what is vegas stronger you know strategy i, I know you say transformational leader but talk to us more of that overall approach. Like if someone were to, I, I don't know if you can franchise a nonprofit, but if you could start another chapter of a nonprofit, say in Richmond, Virginia, for example, what would be that business strategy, that replicable uh, strategy? Uh, it really has five components. Um, you need to have immediate access because people who are unhoused, while Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act ended up getting people insured, that was a great step. And it was fantastic. It was transformational for the uninsured. Now they have insurance. But if you call your insurance company in most markets and say, hey, I'd like to use less fentanyl, um, they'll, they're going to give you the number of three places that you could call. And, and when you call those places, they might give you an appointment in four weeks or six weeks or 12 weeks out in a different part of town. If you're unhoused, 
there needs to be immediate walk-in availability to be able to help. So we uh, that, that's number one, immediate access. Uh, second, longer treatment durations. Most of the managed care organizations, like your Blue Crosses, they try to shorten the duration to help manage costs. And to me, the number one determinant of su successful outcomes in substance use disorder treatment is the duration of your treatment episode. So we treat, our average length of stay is 133 days. But we have many clients who stay for a year. And if you've been homeless, panhandling, using fentanyl for 10 years, I don't expect three weeks of counseling to have a meaningful change or impact on your life. You need to be engaged in a process and through a treatment plan over a significant period of time. So the second uh, point is longer durations of care. Uh, the, the third... Um, and embedded in that is all humans. We accept all humans. So if you're undocumented or you have Cigna or Aetna or you don't have it, we accept all humans. Uh, the, the third item is integrated care. We have psychiatry and primary care embedded with our counseling model. Because if you come in and you're trying your best, but you have an explosive bipolar disorder or you're hearing loud voices, we need to be able to use non-narcotic pharmacological interventions to be able to help, help address them. And I can't give you a name of a provider and say, go see, you know, uh, Dr. Halfhide across town. Uh, you, you know, we, we need to be able to treat cl clients on site. Um, so uh, fourth item is evidence-based. And while I was doing my doctorate, I studied all the peer-reviewed journal articles on addiction treatment, like the entire uh, body of evidence available now. And over 90% of nonprofits deliver non-evidence-based treatment. They use church models. They use um, uh, Narconon, the Scientology model. There's all different models out there, but only a very few of them are really using evidence-based medicine. And as a longtime insurance nerd, uh, I you know I insist that we are everything we do is is documented and we're delivering uh, evidence based medicine. So that's the fourth element. And then the fifth is is back to that transformational leader. You can't have a transactional type manager come in to try to organize this because each client is so different, brings their unique challenges. The the system, it's especially as you know we've been small and we've grown to 75 employees but we're still very much a family and in in nowadays in the post covid era of employment having an employer with a soul who cares personally about each team member and is looking out for them uh to me it's now a requirement uh, to, to, to do business, to do business successfully and to operate at a high level. So, all right. You know, I, I see that you have a proven system. I see that you have something that seems like a very clear vision. You are that transformational leader of Vegas stronger today. Uh, I, what, what were you saying today? today. <laughs> I like how humble you are, man. It's, it's so, it's so like wholesome, but I, I want to know, like you don't get there with any business, any nonprofit, any vision for impact without any challenges and obstacles. What were your challenges and obstacles when establishing that system? Oh, 
Um, you're probably you know, like so many. There's Which so one? many. There, there's <laughs> so many. You know, my my favorite one is that you know every armchair quarterback comes in and says, "Oh, don't worry. There's tons of grants available. You know, you'll all be funded." And um, you know, while there are lots of grants out there, you know, the grant process is arduous. It's long and uh, it's detailed and often they're not focused on helping us effectuate social change. You know, they're, they're reading their rubric. Um, so the, the funding stream I'm, I'm going to say is the number one challenge. Uh, most people say that new businesses struggle with uh, working capital is, is one of the number one issues. And, and I fortunately have, you know, I, I just sold a beach house. So, so I, I'm a hundred percent committed and, but I, I've still burned more than I, I expected to um, multiple times. You know, I had to sit down with my banker again and said, yeah, I, I know I said only 1 million, but no, we're doing this again. And, and uh, uh, so I've been committed to that. So the, the funding I'd say is number one, uh, you know, the number two is, is the team. And I've had team members leave me because you know, a military spouse, they were transferred, um, different offers. When you have a transformational team that's working really well, it really, uh, it hurts the whole team when somebody leaves. Um, and, and dealing with staff transition, you know, especially with looming funding challenges is certainly, uh, you know, something challenging to navigate. When, when I had founded Solutions Recovery in 2005, uh, there were 12 employees. And, and when I sold it 12 years later, 11 of those employees were still on. So uh, I, I really, I, I value the human component. It, it, that is what the organization is. But uh, if, if I had to say, you know, what are the two challenges? It's funding streams and then, and then managing the human dynamic. Uh, in third and honorable mention, which I hinted on, it's really interface with the government. There's so many government entities and agencies which you would think would be here to help, um, but uh, they often approach it as, um, you know, from their own unique perspective. And um, I'm going to say those are the three biggest challenges, access to working capital, uh, the staff, and and then government entities. Okay, so with that being said, have you formed any partnerships or collaborations that have helped you grow that business and weather that storm and get through those dark times? Um, absolutely. Um, we're very close, and I'm very close. I'm an active member of the recovery community, and you know the emotional support from my peers in recovery, as I'm spending my life savings on a social justice project has been immeasurably helpful that, you know, just because, you know, some people say I'm crazy, other people say I'm brave, but um, uh, the, the recovery community support and maintaining sobriety, I've gone through some hard times in this 18 year journey. And in it, um, you know, what I could tell any newcomer is that even when I got really hard, I don't drink. And I don't use drugs, um, even though sometimes it gets hard. Um, the second uh, 
partnership that I would mention is the Metropolitan Police Department. Uh, they now are our number two referral source where uh, 10 humans get dropped off by squad cars uh, each week uh, to come here. And we love working with the police. I love keeping our building friendly uh, for the police because in recovery, instead of like, uh-oh, cops are here, we, we totally change that narrative to, you know, we, you know, we're all good people trying to help. They're trying to keep it safe. We're trying to keep you clean and sober. And, uh, and we work together. So uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled for Kevin McMahill and the Las Vegas Metropolitan, he's the sheriff, and the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department uh, because, because they've been a huge supporter and we're so grateful for them. Uh, I also have to mention the shelters because we're an outpatient clinic which is a real, it's a game changer for most people because they're like, wait a minute, homelessness, you need to have beds to solve homelessness. And, and I'm trying to change that whole narrative because no, that's not true. If you take a person who's using fentanyl or is, is severely schizophrenic or bipolar or depressed or traumatized and you get them a bed and three squares, that is not solving their problem. Um, I'm trained as a licensed drug and alcohol counselor supervisor that it's a primary condition that we need to help address this primary condition first. So our next order of important stakeholders are all the shelters. So we built our clinic within walking distance of 2000 shelter beds so they could spend the night there and get food but then come here during the day. We also feed them to their, their lunch meal, but um, we, we just provide the, the social services they need during the day and then hopefully move them to a sober living or a transitional care and then to independent living uh, in their journey with us. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then, you know, we're coming up on time here, but I, I want to give you the time if you're looking for more partnerships or collaborations, or you're looking to raise awareness for Vegas stronger, you know, how can, well, before that, before that, before people get in touch with you and, and learn how to, you know, get in touch with the great soon to be doctor, David Marlin, what advice would you give these people that are looking to get started or looking to learn more about like their impact, their purpose, or maybe even people that are looking to make a positive change in their life, whether it's drug uh, rehab whether it's, you know, just healthy mindset when it comes to work, whether it's maybe even losing weight because it's all behavior change, right? Going through that trans theoretical model of change, right? What's your number one piece of advice? I'm going to bifurcate it. Uh, you know, one, if, if you have a drug or alcohol problem, you know, the first thing you have to do is you got to stop drinking and using drugs. And fortunately, there's lots of help available. In Nevada, we got the 211 number, or now we have nationally with the 988 number, you could call and get referred to a place to get help. So we, you got to stop, you know, drinking and using. The second thing is, is something a, a priest told me once when I was, I was trying to start a nonprofit back in my early solutions days in 2005. And I said, you know, I want to, I want to help educate kids about the dangers of drugs. How do I make a foundation to help do this? And the priest looked at me real simply and he said, if you want to go help educate kids, go talk to kids. Um, and it, it really, you know, it comes back to the Nike. Just do it. If, if you want to help somebody get clean, find somebody and help them get clean. Um, so it just 
you know, so many brilliant ideas get killed by the committee, whether it's external or the committee in our head. Um, you know, to me, life is precious. The, the gift I got today is I woke up and I, and I get another day. And, and to me, that's the case for you as well. So if you're thinking of starting a podcast business or you're thinking of, of starting a, a treatment center, you know, go start helping people. Well, I would say, and I, I genuinely want to pick your brain on this too. Like say I'm, I'm an everyday person and, you know, I know someone who has a drug problem or, you know, an alcohol problem. Maybe it's closeted. They don't want to talk about it. They don't, they're still showing up to work. They want to hide it. How can I, as someone who is not an expert, help them? Um, addiction is a very tricky disease. And, and unfortunately, the best thing to do is, is Google and find out where a professional is. Uh, uh, so in your community, where's a licensed drug and alcohol counselor? Then what you could do is make an appointment and then go to your friend and saying, hey, friend, I really care about you. As an act of love, an act of concern, would you do me a favor and go do an hour session with this person to get assessed? I don't have a problem. I, I don't know if you do or not, but I'm worried about you. W would you be willing to go get an assessment? This way, a licensed professional who knows how to help these folks can meet with them and do that assessment. The only thing that we could do, whether it's a loved one, an acquaintance, or a person on the street, the only thing we could do is, is help get them to treatment. Uh, once they come in and meet with a counselor, that's their job then to, to help break down the, the lack of motivation and then to engage them in treatment. So the, the answer for addiction is treatment. Treatment is effective. Treatment works. Love it. Wow. I feel like you should run for president after that. That sounded good. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, for the audience uh, that's looking to get in touch with David Marlin and Vegas Stronger, how can they do so? I'm on all socials as David Marlin, whether it's my TikTok, my Instagram, my Snapchat, uh, LinkedIn, David Marlin. Um, but VegasStronger.org, O-R-G. Um, on that, there's a, a way to contact me or the company. Uh, please check out VegasStronger.org. Uh, everything that I talked about today is documented on this website. And uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you for 30 minutes. I hope we get to talk again. I think we will. David, thank you for being a great guest. This is awesome. All right.